0: Hey, good morning once again from Backwoods Theology. It's good to have you with us once again. We hope you enjoyed your our your last uh, episode. We're grateful because the guest that we had last time is still with us two weeks later. He's still here. We can't yes, get rid of him. Absolutely. My goodness, Dalton, don't you don't you have a home to go home to? I
1: do,
2: but I like it better here. <laughs> Well, we, I feel like I told the waitress, could you mess your hair up and yell at us so, we'll f- so I can feel at home? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just help us. Give us a moment as a we gather. our blueberry ourselves. pie yes, broadcast.
0: Yes, We just had some uh, amazing blueberry pie and ice cream. So we are, uh, we're trying to pull it together. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Karen absolutely nailed that. Hit it, it was, out was very good. Was you know great. how sometimes you say things just to be nice? Oh, that was really good, thank you. And you're grateful for their their ministry. Yeah, yeah. You don't like their pie, but you're <laughs> great for, for the ministry. This was a home run. This pie would be good if an atheist made it. That's how good it was. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was a blessing. Thank you, Karen, for making that. It's a blessing. So
0: very, very thankful. I never thought of it like that. But
2: if <laughs> yeah. an atheist made it, it might taste different. I'm going to try to reel myself in at this point.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh, Friendship is such a good thing. It's good to have good friends that you can laugh with and and study with. And So we've got another podcast episode we'd like to bring to you, another discussion. This is another one of those times where something came up in the last episode that we want to elaborate on a little bit, where we felt it would be good to give you some more information about. And that is the fact in the last episode you heard us mention the term mysticism a lot, spiritual... Uh, tell them we'll call them back later. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we talk about mysticism in our, in our churches and how much it's become a part of our services. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, probably how to identify it and make sure that um, everything we're doing is biblical... You know, we live in a society today that's obsessed with the sensational, mm. and whether it be the occult, the sensationalism of that, or the sensationalism of things, and obviously that comes into our churches, where we want to see sensational things. And um, so anyway, I will punt the football to one
1: of you and see what y'all can do with it. So who wants to start? Well, so when we're talking about mysticism, you know, before we break it apart and down, we're talking about something that is, would you say it's like the antithesis of biblical faith, like the opposite or a contrast to biblical faith?
2: All right. This is going to sound picky, Okay, but the opposite of faith would be unbelief. Okay. How about... I would say it's a hindrance
1: to a fully orbed biblical faith. Can mysticism be... Can a person think that they're operating on faith, but actually be operating on mysticism? Without a doubt. Maybe that's a better way to...
2: Yes, without a doubt, because I think that uh, more people than not, who are people of faith, consider themselves to be people of faith, don't understand what faith is. Okay, that's where I'm driving yeah. at. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that they're getting it all wrong. It just means that um, uh, there's there's that percentage of their... Ideology hmm. that is
1: errant. Okay. So if we're digging at roots, right, um, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But we would trace the modern, this modern idea or modern expression of mysticism, we would work it back to the emergence. Would you work it back to the emergence of humanism? I'm just asking questions, waiting no, for yeah, you to take yeah. the plane off. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that. Um, I think that it may be more of an intrinsic aspect of the human condition, okay. right? I feel like it is one of the potential um, potholes in the road of humanity, because right? Because everybody searches it, for meaning. Yeah, everybody's searching for meaning. Everybody wants things to, to be have the right mixture. Meaning is the right word, that we want meaning. We want things to be meaningful, and if it feels right, it must be right. Mm. And 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 so that that's a problem because feelings can be very deceiving. You know the old line about uh, feelings are a wonderful companion on a journey, but they make a terrible navigator. Right? So it's probably it, it's almost equally er, uh, errant to want to throw out feelings and think that all of all of worship is cerebral or ritualistic. Okay, for instance, the uh, you know in America or in, in in England, the leader of the fight against uh, German rationalism and modernism was Spurgeon in the downgrade controversy. In America, it was a Presbyterian Princeton theologian, B.B. Warfield. Now, obviously, everybody can argue about who was the real leader. I, I get that, but Warfield was a big name, a big you know in that, and he said this: unrevealed religions. We were talking about revelation in that previous podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Unrevealed religions are religions of the spirit. And revealed religion is the religion of authority. When he says spirit, he doesn't mean the Holy Spirit. He means the internal person. Mm-hmm. Authority is the correlate of revelation. And whatever revelation is, and only where revelation is, is there authority. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the you well, know that's the struggle and uh so some people think that their religious practice because it is ritualistic it appeals it still sort of it still has a mystical effect too because it's appealing to their senses but in a, in a more proud and intellectual way mm. whereas emotional people have a tendency to gravitate to the you know what they
1: feel so if we're taking this and we're working you know we're bringing this down to lunch pail you know lunch pail uh Christianity, we're we're once again pointing people back to their Bible as their, you know, them placing their faith in their Bible expressly and not in uh, situations, circumstances, feelings, okay? Mm. But how do you balance, we talked about this a little bit earlier, work out for us the tension with like providence, like how do we integrate providence and okay. finding providence into our understanding. You know, because, all right, our church needs to build a new building, okay? And I feel like right now, feel, mm-hmm. right? Like right now, the timing... Sometimes maybe we should say perceive instead of
2: feel. Okay. So Sometimes our problem might be um, our, our la- lazy use uh, of words, right? I'm not saying you are doing it, no, no. But, but,
1: but anyway, go ahead. That's good. Yeah. The, the Brits are good. At using the right word, exactly, we are not uh, perceive that that process needs to begin very quickly in terms of fundraising and planning and organi- organizing. But I still I haven't gotten a million dollar check in the mail. Right, like it's not, it hasn't come yet. Right, and some would tell you to just go by faith and crawl out on the limb. Yep. Okay. So let's let's flesh that out. Like, what is that? How do we, how do we perceive even that kind of Life, where you're living your life waiting for something, or you're living your life taking these, we call them a leap of faith or a step of faith. Is that biblical? Is that not biblical? Is that? Well, it all begins with what is faith. And this is where
2: people have the wrong idea of what faith is and how it works out. And it comes from bad preaching, which comes from a low view of Scripture, which produces a low view of God. Okay? (laughs) All right? (laughs) The wrong view of faith is this um, let's talk about what faith is faith is um, believing what has been revealed alright more lunch pill way of saying it right? the more common everyday way of saying it is believing what God said because he said it that's faith the scriptural undergirding for that would be faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God so when the bible says we walk by faith not by sight it is not saying we have no idea what to do, we're just gonna trust just gonna God, believe it. And yeah, fling ourselves into the darkness of uncertainty. That is not at all what that means. And preachers will say, Well, if you can see it, it ain't God. That's not what that means. It means Jesus isn't here to follow. That's the context. If you go look at it, He's not here to talk to, ask questions, to observe. So now. We walk by faith, which means believing what God has said in the Scripture. So for someone to say, we're going to believe God and build this building, you're going to have to show me where God told you to build the building. And that's that's the sacred calf that's going to really irritate a lot of the brethren. That's right. Because now, if, a, if they want to say, we have 150 people here, who believe God and they want to obey God's command to preach the gospel and to do something to reach their community. So because of that, we're gonna covenant together to sacrifice and build a building because we believe God and we wanna do something for God. That's fine, that's different, but understand it's a personal and a collective commitment to do something that should be reasonable and sensible, but to do something irrational, that is counterintuitive to sound principles, which are laid out right in the scripture Mm -hmm. concerning how to use money, right? Right. And to blame that on God is just ridiculous. To say, you know, my tires are bald. I'm right about ready to have a blowout. I got to drive to Memphis, but I'm just going to trust God. Well, where did God tell you that he would protect you from blowouts? Mm -hmm. He didn't. And so I think that's the whole deal, is walking by faith, means doing what God has, has told us to do. I think people are way more worried about whether or not they're going to start a church in New England or in Northern California. I would say, which one do you want to start a church in? You know what I mean? Yeah. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires, desires of thine of heart. Point. All right, and then that comes to the next. I'm talking too much, but y'all jump in. At no, any this point. Okay. But that comes to the next point, which is Providence. And the providence of God has to do with God's determination, his commitment to sustain his purposes, right? And he's made these commitments to his own design, and he will providentially see it through. All that he's promised will come to pass. All that he's guaranteed will happen. Every single person that he justifies, he will glorify. And you'll notice in Romans, we get caught up in... In, a, in a, the sanctification factor in Romans 6 and 7, and we overemphasize that to the – it's a good thing, but we, we miss the fact that Romans 8 doesn't mention sanctification. It says, whom he justifies, he shall also glorify. glorify. And the the primary point there is from Romans 5 to the end of Romans 8, which is – therefore being justified by faith. We have, and he is going to finish that, and it's his providence that brings that to pass. So we have. it's much easier to experience a miracle. Say, God, I need to quit smoking. Please, you know what I mean? I've got to quit smoking. I've got to stop. Please take this lust away from me. Well, good luck with that. Hmm. Right? It just doesn't work that way. You're not going to just go to the altar, pray down a miracle, and not have to struggle Spiritually anymore. The Bible says to exercise thyself unto godliness.
0: So And that's the difference between you know, we use I think we use the term miracle very flippantly. There's no question and about we it. We completely minimize the miracles of God. Absolutely. Because yeah. Yeah. well, bless God, I got the hundred thousand dollars in the mail for the building. Yes. What a miracle. Well No, you called your friend. Right. Do yeah. <laughs> do checks come in the mail? Yes. Maybe not to my mailbox, sure. but they do. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Does the Red Sea split often?
2: Yes. Yeah. Well no. Right. Right.
0: You know, so there's a difference between miracles and the providential leading of God. One hundred
2: percent. Complete difference. What's the definition of a miracle? Well what a miracle to- right
0: would be something outside the laws. An
2: order of whether it be nature or yeah. that god has established. the yeah. laws of nature have to be altered right right, right. that's so, a miracle yeah and so we do we, we use the word miracle as a synonym for awesome wonderful oh that's good amazing yeah. right so someone has a baby it's a, just a, the miracle of childbirth what's well, wonderful it's even it's even mystifying it's so you know it's not a miracle it happens all the time the dumbest people in the world procreate on a regular basis, right? That's <laughs> true. It's not, it doesn't. Re- it's not a miracle. It doesn't require skill. It's just natural. You know, I had a lady tell me one time that she loves to, you know, she just so thankful for her peach tree. It's just a miracle. How those. It's not a miracle. You can thank God for it and rejoice in it. It is a wonderful thing. It's creation, right? Is a wonderful thing it's doing what it's supposed to do. That's right. But We're it's trying. a natural thing. So I think that's the beginning the beginning of the struggle against mysticism. And okay, I think this is very important. And this is where people get sideways. I candidated in a church a number of years back in, in between Florida and where I am now. And um, and I preached something like this. I was preaching on just basic a basic faith sermon, how to follow God or something like that. I thought it was my least... Chafing message. You know what I mean, I can just go in here and be a nice guy, and they'll they'll appreciate it, and they'll see things about faith that'll be helpful to them. And it, and it turned out it was very irritating, and because it was doctrine, hmm. the Bible doesn't say men shall not endure. You know, your sensational stories or even your determination to oppose sin and fight the culture war. They don't even they don't mind that when you start te- teaching them doctrine that messes with what they've always thought. They do not like that, and so and G.K. Chesterton said that uh, if you make people think they're thinking, they love you; if you make them think, they hate you. And so the guy that was kind of heading up that whole um, the candidating, you know, pastor pastoral search or whatever you call it, he um, he ca- he asked me about that on the, that follow-up phone call. Said you know he just. So how, how, how do you think we're supposed to follow God then? So, well, I mean, as we said in the sermon, you follow God by understanding his will, which you find in the scripture, not written in the dirt on the back of a trailer truck. You find his will in the word of God. And you do that, you follow that. Whether or not you go to Detroit and start a church, which is what I wanted to do, or end up in Alabama is going to have a lot to do with the providential working of God, right? He can close those doors and open those doors, but very often that work doesn't happen until we start moving forward with what we already know He's told us to do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that that's my understanding of it, and um, man, people get very bothered by that because, especially if their if their ministry is based upon a lot of that, God told me to do this. You know, I think God would have me do this. You just had a good so, idea. So call it what it is. So would you?
3: Um, I, I have <clears throat> you
2: have two
3: teenagers now in your home. I have uh, two teenagers, and you have older. But anyway, I, I said all that to say this. I sat down with my oldest um, recently, and we discussed God's will. And he's he's you know because everybody, especially in your. 16, 17 year seventeen-year-old, even you know, eighteen. Well, what's God's will for my life? You know, we went through Bible college, and how many sermons did we hear about mm-hmm. following God's yeah. will? Right, as if it was some as distant was, thing in the yes, horizon you, you never get to. That's
2: right. You just gotta keep seeking. It's a cosmic Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. and, a, and I Indiana told, Jones. Yes, the, and I
3: told yeah. my son, I said, "What's God's will?" I said, "God's will." First Thessalonians, God's will is for you to be thankful. Mm-hmm. Ephesians, God's will is for you to be filled with the Spirit. You know, when you just go to what the scripture says, what God's will is, when you do that, then you start falling into the category of letting God take care of the rest, a.k.a. providence, mm-hmm. and then you're fine. Right. You know, is it God's will for me to go to Detroit or go to northern Alabama? Right. You just do God's will that scripture
2: tells you. Well, would you guys agree with the saying that God's will is the same for everybody? Yes. 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 Is, but his plan is yeah. specific, and you're not ready for the plan. That's right. Till you understand yeah. his will. Right. That's right. Yeah. And I think that here's what happens in you know here's what happens in churches like ours, where um, we're very conservative, so our mistake would be toward certain legalisms rather than liberality, right? Okay. Our mistakes would be toward paranoid obsessions rather than freewheeling, you know, And so what happens is, you find your spiritual comfort and rest in how well you're doing all right and that's where it can become legalistic if this is wrong and i'm not going to do this because what the scripture says i'm going to take it even further and i'm not going to do this okay well that might be a good safe plan well let's who t- who's to say we can't take it further mm. and before you know it you might as well move to the moon you know so that can be a problem for some of us i have always struggled with that you know little is good a lot's better Then the next thing with that paranoia is if I miss the will of God.
1: Right. Because I wasn't
2: plugged into that service. I missed God. Amen. God would have, you know what I mean? That baby cried in the service or somebody's phone rang and the Lord just bolted on us. I'm not buying that. That's right. And so- Everybody's phone that goes off in church, it's not because they don't care about God. They forgot to turn the ringer off. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just turn the phone off. Right. Keep preaching. But we get so paranoid about that or, you know, the the soulmate thing. Now, I can't imagine oh, my life without okay, Lisa. I good. mean, she's the greatest thing in the world. Could she have married some other dude that believed what we believe mm-hmm. and done just as well in another way, without a doubt, maybe even better. <laughs> I mean, see? So in the danger with that is the paranoia, that's one thing, and, and there's probably a better word for it, but the the unnecessary fear and doubt. And uh, and then the other problem, I think, is, is that we do not accentuate the components of of walking by faith in a scriptural way. Our our idea of living by faith becomes a caricature of what it's supposed to be, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah.
0: Here, here's some examples. Um, Josh, Chad, and I know of a man who was friend, friend of ours several years ago who wanted to plant a church. This is the testimony he gave, he wanted to plant a church, struggling as to where to go, was sitting in a restaurant, and he looked out the window, and a motorhome went by that said Montana (laughs) on it. He took that from God, went to Montana, he's now out of the ministry, he's disqualified himself, and out of the ministry. I'm just saying, there's an example of, oh, bless God, God just spoke to me. Yeah. Um, well, what if a U-Haul went by that said, you know, yes, sure.
2: there's, there's a U-Haul for every state of the union, so... Um, and we almost get to thinking, if I actually like my idea, it must not be
1: from God. Yeah. Like, you know serving I mean? God's the worst thing. If, it's yeah. So yeah. Hard. if yeah. it looks like this is
2: gonna work, yeah. you know, like, you guys know I love Chicago. I absolutely love it. I feel like, way back there somewhere... I should have said, Lisa, we're going to Chicago. I love it. I love the people there. I love the city. I'd like to try to reach them. It may take us decades to get a church organized, so let's go up there. Let's get us a job. Let's find a cheap place to live. Let's figure out how to raise kids in the city, and let's get after it. Why? Because I want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) and, and if God God wants to close the doors, he can, you know, but – So, you know, you can't, there's no question in my mind that there are two or three pivotal places in my history as a man where I made the worst move I could have made.
3: Hmm.
2: I did absolutely the wrong thing. I survived it, but I cost myself tons of unnecessary trouble and difficulty. And um, I just think that's very unfortunate when we, you know, trouble will find you. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll find you. Don't have to go looking for it. There'll be plenty of things to break your heart. You don't have to do it for God. There'll be plenty of plenty of dry spells and dark hours, and
1: um, you know. So so I can I jump you in? go and then I'll so um, you know I don't know your your history, right? Like you know your history, but you can point to pivotal moments, right? Where you did the wrong thing, mm-hmm. but you're not living every day looking back thinking. I miss the will of God. For oh, my no, life. absolutely not. No way. Like, you can live to the glory of God and enjoy Him. Yes. I just did the will of God in a much harder way than it had to be done. Sure.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I, I <laughs> could have done the will of God in a way that had been cool.
1: Okay. You know? So, so you're saying I, I did the will of God in a hard way. I could have done the will of God in a way that was cool. You're talking about being obedient to something revealed in Scripture. That's right. And yeah, I'm being right.
2: sarcastic, obviously. Sure. Yes, that's but, yeah. Exactly right. right,
1: right. So, um, Aren't we
2: commanded in Scripture to preach the gospel to every creature? Yes. Yeah. So we're not going to get penalized for going to the wrong place. People will contradict themselves. They'll say in the sermon, you can't preach the gospel to the wrong person. Amen? And then five seconds later in the same sermon, you don't want to miss the will of God on this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they want a big emotional altar call, want people to hang in there thinking that if they don't hold out, God's going to say, well, if
1: you'd have prayed five more minutes, I would have helped you. Sure. Right. You know, and, and, and I'm not but, making fun of praying through. I'm no, not. No, no. But that puts people in this place where there's this constant paranoia is the right word. Yeah, mm-hmm. this constant stress, like you know, don't want to miss something. It. I don't want to miss it. Like FOMO is a legit issue. Yeah. that keeps people addicted to social media. Of course, right? Fear of missing out. Yeah. But it could be the same thing that causes it's it's the Bible says the fear of um, fear of man is a snare. Well, fear in general is a snare. It is right. So if you're living in fear about what you missed or might miss, or you might make the wrong decision, you're, you're going to be stuck your yeah. entire life and bitter and miserable
3: and unhappy. We'll contradict that with Titus. Is it Titus? God's not giving us a spirit of fear. Sure. Or Timothy, right? right?
0: If, something, yeah. if there's a spirit of fear, it's not, it's not of God. It's, right. but it's a not a lot of God. It. It's times...
3: power, love, and sound mind. Sure. I mean, sound mind, complete opposite of fearful mind.
2: Yep. So A lot of times our wives are the ones that struggle with this stuff the most because they have a... It's in their nature, I suppose, to be... Uh, extra caring about the family and what the consequences of these decisions well, security might be. yes yeah. and the need for security and and that's reasonable i can I understand and of course you know we're all pioneering people and i left college and started a church with you know 27 people or whatever it was in a rented room and lived in a room on the end of my parents house and i mean i i don't think it ever crossed my wife's mind to even check up but looking back i wonder how she as she did it, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um I don't
0: know. Here's an expression I hear a lot, and I talk with people much about this, and it's the expression, well, I'm gonna lay out a fleece mm, yeah, yeah. from Judges
1: with Gideon. Gideon, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know,
0: there's, you know, and when you're having a conversation with someone in the lobby of the church, you don't have time to do all of the, you know, the first point that I would bring out is, okay, number one... You do understand that things were done in the Old Testament that we don't take. Yeah, it's not and, a specimen, right? They they cast lots as well. It doesn't right. mean we're going to cast lots. Or I personally believe God was very patient with Gideon. Yes, with the <laughs> and God... the book of Judges is chaos from the <laughs> beginning to the end. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, the word of God was very clear to Gideon, and then before Gideon's... the fleece, right? Then yeah. he's like, "Well, if you're really serious, yeah. you know." And so I don't believe in the laying out of fleece. I, I just think that, again, involves the what we call the mysticism. Agreed. But you hear it all the time. For sure, sure, yeah, sure. Um, I don't know what you all tell your folks when uh, I, I tell them, God leads us through his word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 that I trust him. And he will direct my paths. And he doesn't do it in this mystic kind of way. He Mm -hmm. does it through providence. He
2: he providentially leads. Can we say this? That doesn't mean that God doesn't work within us, right? Sure. All right? The Bible does say, delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I believe the call to preach is the God-given desire to do it. Yeah, I don't know any other way to describe it right. than that. Well, and that other, if the, a man the, desire the office, yeah, right? that's like the first thing, if a man desire
3: the office of a bishop. I mean, that's exactly the right. first
2: thing mentioned. Exactly. Right. So, so, so that being said, though, my desires, what God puts in my heart is not binding on other people's conscience. Right. Yes. That's what we're talking about. Yes. The binding, directing, guiding authority of God is found in the Scripture and in the Scripture alone. No question about it. A lot of these guys – well, how many times have we seen missionaries who have these elaborate stories – I interrupted you and I apologize. No, nope, keep going. These elaborate stories about how God is leading them and brought them to this place to go to the mission field, and their wife had the same vision they had. You know, I'm exaggerating. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have that same these great stories, and then four years later, they're home and doing something different. That doesn't mean that God didn't couldn't lead some a missionary to do something for four years, but you know the point I'm making. Right. Yeah, it's like I think we always run the risk of being in the ditch when we place our hopes, our faith, our expectations, our guiding principles on anything other than the Word of God.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I, th- when I think about this, like understanding this, and what are the what are the the outcomes, the consequences of this. There's actually a great deal of freedom and just committing, like, like the knowledge that I'm going to live by God's word is actually extremely liberating. Yes, it is. Because you're not subject, like you said, you're not bound to the, the, the whims of another man. Whims is the word. Yep. yep. You're not bound to, you're bound by your feelings. Mm. But you're bound by what the Word of God says, right? So the beauty of this is, you know, when someone comes, had a friend come, uh, one of our members of our church, would say, Hey, I'm just I'm struggling with reading my Bible and I don't really know why. Well the answer's very simple, right? You can uh it's it's Romans seven, right? The reality is you're born again. You want to read God's Word, but you also – you don't want to read God's Word. You just have to understand this is who you are. The things that I yes. want to do, I right. don't do. You right. don't want, the things, yeah. Did I, did
2: Go it, ahead, keep going. Yeah, here's another interesting thing about that is it really can liberate you to be – it sounds like it can make you less zealous, what we're suggesting. it's the It could be the – it is the opposite. If the only way you attempt anything special for God is if you have this – clarifying vision from god and this guarantee that it's going to be you know wildly successful that's it. then you don't do anything right because you're waiting for that right. exact right that never comes but if you're like somebody like jeff faggart <laughs> you say i would like to encourage some of the brethren it may be three it may be 30 someday it may be 300 3000. but uh, i'm going to take what i've got and just share it with some of these brethren try to be a blessing to them And then before you know it, there's the Baptist History Preservation Society, 25 monuments around the country, you know, a vast acquisition of rare things. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. this
1: is where like, okay, even that's scripturally based because the law of sowing and reaping is true. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's true. So discipline and good habits, God honors those things because they're in his word. Here's here's what people don't like, is that it may be
2: that what God wants us to do isn't big. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I'm for big as you can get or whatever. I don't like the anti-success mentality. I don't care for that. What I mean is, like I have an idea of starting a Bible study in a town about 45, 50 minutes from our church, and I've got some contacts, and I have to go attempt it, right? It may not turn into anything. It may be two or three sit-downs with some coffee and and uh, and and that may lead to something for these people that would lead to something and somewhere else something good is done of it, and and I don't know, but I just have to try. Hmm. But does it make it better if I say God told me to do this and start running my yapper about it? And then go, then what happens when it fails? Right. I told everybody God told me to go fail. See, see what I mean?
0: Right, yeah. right, right, Well, right, right, using right. your illustration from earlier, okay, I got to drive to Memphis. I have bald tires on my car. But bless God, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust God. Right. And then you have a flat on the way. What, what does that mean? That's right. That, yeah. means God, that So didn't, God didn't take care of that's you. That's right.
2: Or, or you didn't have enough faith. Yeah, that's right. You, right. That's another one. And there's, here's a third one, which may, the, may be the most common. Somebody in your church buys the tires. Because it, you told them you're gonna you have to announce it. Yes. That's exactly later. right. But right. if you're trusting God, you don't have to you don't bring it up. Right. Yeah. You right. don't bring it up. If yeah, you're trusting God, why do you have to announce it? <laughs> right, yeah. right. Uh, because you know, we don't do anything without making sure everybody knows who did it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Sounds like Twitter.
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And see, <laughs> I know we're all over the place, but even that's a frustrating uh dilemma for me because i I do think it's weird every time you win somebody to the Lord. You got to take a selfie. You have with to them. take a selfie with them, because some of that seems like kind of contrived. Yes, there's this new convert saying, "I don't. know, This seems kind of weird." You know, sometimes they're looking the pictures kind of sheepish, like I'm not sure what's happening. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you're taking pictures of the altar call. Yeah, yeah. That that is weird to me.
1: Yeah.
2: On the other hand, I don't think it's weird to say, you know. There I think there could be said who say these folks got saved in a church recently. Here they are, we're having a Bible study, wanting to share, it's a blessing. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. So so getting the the right landing point between that's tough. Mm. Maybe if you don't have any converts and you're not doing anything to to get some Maybe you just reserve criticizing the guys who are faking it till you get some real ones.
3: <laughs>
2: you know what I'm saying? Just let the guys that are doing it the wrong way do whatever they're going to do till you, you know. I'm just, I know that's the same old worn out trope, but.
0: I've believed for some time, you know, I love the old hymns. And when I think of, you know, what would be called knowing and doing God's will, I love the hymn, Trust and Obey. Mm-hmm. And when it says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey, the more, the more I sing that, the more I think of that, I'm, the more I believe that to be true. Yes. That it's about trusting him and his word. Yeah. I'm gonna trust his word, but more importantly, I'm gonna obey his word. That's right. I mean, if I'm not... Are the two mutually exclusive? Can I really trust him and not obey his word? Uh, I, I believe the two do go together. Mm-hmm. I can't say, okay, well, I fully trust him, but boy, I'm not going to do that. Well, he's not going to lead us to something that he isn't going to provide for That's us. Right. And so um, it, it is all about his word. It it's is. about knowing and the way to know God. I mean, I don't go out on a... I, I understand the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. But if I want to go learn about God, I don't go sit out on a starry night. No, No, of course not. I need to be in his word. That's how I learn mm-hmm. of yeah. him.
2: That's the difference between... In his yeah. word.
0: I don't learn of him through supernatural events. I don't learn of him through these contrived mystical situations that I put myself in where I've got a better than 50-50 chance mm-hmm. for this to happen, and that's how I learn of God.
2: No, you're right. I learn of God through his word.
1: Mm. That, um... yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. So the physical, though, you know, t- to you know, to add to what you just mentioned, you know, we don't go out into creation to have an experiential learning right. with God. What you do find, though, is as you read the scriptures, creation does declare, right? It de- it reinforces um, what His Word teaches. You know, that like I have an apple tree out front of our house that we uh, when we built built the parsonage there was 15 or 16 giant hemlocks and we cut all those down but in the middle there was this little scrubby scruffy apple tree that was bent hard because it was just trying to get sunlight so crooked overgrown and so the gentleman who was cutting with me i said can we try and save this little scrubby apple tree and we did. He's a good woodcutter. We were able to save that tree, and that tree has reinforced teaching, as I'm reminded, the need for pruning, the need for cultivating the soil, the need for you don't just I don't you don't just miraculously get good apples apples off that apple tree. There's a lot of work that has to be done. Absolutely. And and that's you know that's both convicting, but this is why it's liberating for me because I am have been working hard on this where I, I, overth- I think a lot um, and that hinders me because I get into that whole analysis paralysis spot. Mm. And so I've been laboring over this direction. And I think probably 75% of our church already knows like, okay, we need to do this. Mm. And I'm just, I have, I've been stuck waiting for that perfect moment or that perfect whatever, because if it's perfect, then I know. Yeah. You yeah, know, know. that I know I can go forward with this. Yeah. That's, it's funny you how know, you, that's exactly It's what funny I mean. how you can get caught up. Here's a real life situation that
0: happened in our family. Um, White tailed deer hunting season just came to a close. Uh, about, you know, well, this Saturday, it'll yeah, tomorrow. officially come to a close. Well, a uh, I prayed. I'm, I'm just going to tell you what happened. We can say whatever it was. <laughs> I prayed one time one time, this entire time, for the Lord to give one of my children a deer. And this is exactly what happened, okay? Um, in our family Bible time that night, I knew that my daughter and my son were gonna go out in the tree stand the next morning. I said, Lord, would you... And I said this aloud with our family. Lord, would you give them a deer? Hmm. And I even said, would you just bring a stupid deer out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I literally said those sure, words. sure. Well... That morning, my phone rang at 7 o'clock. It was my son. I didn't even have to answer the call. Dad, Isabel shot a deer. And so, okay, here it is, seemingly. God put his finger on a deer and let it. Or do we just say, okay, my children went to where the deer are known to be. It's a miracle. God blessed mm, my prayer well, and brought here, a deer, and here's exactly a, as we prayed.
2: Here's another thing that see our our Calvinist friends would suggest that it was in your heart to pray. You, you prayed for what God had put into your heart. You were praying in concert with what God wanted to do, and so so many things could have happened right there. Prayed, got your prayer answered. Your kids saw. The work of God in answer to prayer. He wanted to give you the deer. You see what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't I don't agree with, I'm not a Calvinist, but I don't disagree with Calvinists on everything. They're not wrong about if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You're not ready to pray until you have the scripture That's what you, it says. Yeah. Which yeah. changes what you want, yeah. what you desire, yes. so it alters yes. what you pray for. And all of a sudden, now you're getting prayers answered. Yeah. Honestly, my number one desire
0: in that was not meat in the freezer, although I'm very thankful for that. Sure, yes. My number one desire was specifically for God to help the faith of my children. You
2: suppose that God has the same interest? Yes. See, that's what I'm saying. So I
0: wanted my children, their faith to... Now, do I think that some... I look at that as the providence of God. Okay, God, we weren't out in the middle of the desert where deer are never known to be. Right. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. literally went where... The
1: deer, <laughs> deer
3: are. where
0: the deer are. That's right. So it wasn't any great shock that they were able to harvest one. But what I'm saying is is we could become very mystical with that if we wanted to be. There. That's true. The miraculous no, gift yeah. of that deer. Right. Yeah, sure.
2: um, my dad believed very strongly in prayer, and um, and my dad was like me on steroids in the sense that there were very dad was not um he was serious about serious things but he was never serious do you understand what i mean okay. <laughs> dad dad could you know he could find something funny at a funeral i mean he just and he made fun of everybody and the more seriously they took themselves the more he blew them up you know what i mean yeah yeah and and he was but he's a great man and a great salesman and so we were in Little Rock, Arkansas. I was in high school, and it was a really cold day, and there were forecasting snow. And We're getting ready to go to school, and, um, and Dad's walking through, you know, and he said, boys, I need you to pray for me. And this is, listen to how he says this. I need you to pray for me. I got to make something happen today. Isn't that interesting? You know, that old thing, you pray for your crops at the end of a hoe handle. Right, mm. and so dad, and and it, so dad goes to work, and, and it snows that day in Little Rock. Big snow, I mean, lots of pounding, big snow, and he he needed to sell eighty five hundred dollars worth of furniture in one day. What what he was trying to do was make his month and get a bonus, and that would help the family. It was he was under pressure to do that. He sold nine thousand dollars worth of furniture on a snowy day. Who shops for furniture in Little Rock, Arkansas on a snow day, you know? So I do believe God answered his prayers. It's a wonderful thing, you know? It's like Patton saying, uh, writing in his journal, Lord, you know I'm the best there is, but I still need your help. So I do believe there's a combination of human ingenuity, planning, um, what's the word? Um, I don't know, not discipline, but industry, right? And the Bible says the... Um, the prudent man looketh well to his going, right? The yeah. diligent soul should be made fat. And so you do all those things, but we still depend upon him
3: hmm.
2: for the provision and for the extra blessings and every good gift cometh down from the Father, right? He giveth us all things richly to enjoy. So maybe some of these things, we uh, it's fun to try to peel them apart, but we know that God is sovereign. We know that God is provident. We know that he's commanded us to pray and to trust him. And we know that he's told us to act according to his will. And all of that stuff goes together, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Who is it that said uh, pray like everything depends upon God and work like everything depends upon you?
2: That's a a good one. Somebody said that. Yeah. It
1: seems like it was... um, but, I mean, if we're summarizing, you know, mystical faith would be praying like everything depends upon God, meanwhile doing nothing. Yes. You know what I mean? Just not not taking responsibility, hmm. not um, not just being trust prudent. Trusting the
3: Lord. Right. Yeah. Just, I'm just going to trust the Lord. It's sort of
1: like people who have – Not being prudent is a good – yeah,
2: I like yeah. that. They have a divorce and a remarriage, which I, in no way do I have harsh judgment. For people who are in that situation, hmm. you know life's hard. You know what I mean. I'm fortunate to be where I'm at, and we love sinners at our church, and we love saints that have had struggles. They're welcome. We 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 help them, and um, but to stand up and testify almost to imply that it was God's will that your first marriage, you know, sure. got run into the ditch because you're really enjoying the second one. You know what I mean? I'm glad you're enjoying the second one. Thank God for his mercy. <laughs> you know what I right, mean? Right, right, right. But let's not pretend that it was God's will. You, you know, they try to we try to sanctify things that that are wrong and uh, mm. we testify things that are ridiculous. You know, a flock of geese flies over at the funeral, and that, that was Meemaw <laughs> letting me know she's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Meemaw didn't have anything to do with the geese. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know. <laughs> The London Baptist Confession says the Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and His will which is necessary unto salvation
3: hmm.
2: and so there's much more there but you know that's, that general revelation is a wonderful thing to, and it leaves us with that excuse and it drives us toward the truth but the only thing that will give you the truth is special revelation right the scripture yeah God at sundry times and divers manners has spoken unto the fathers by the prophets and to us in these you know last days by a son and and then the prophets codifying what the sure yeah you know, sure
1: That's good stuff. I think it's good every once in a while just to, I mean, I I think we all agree it's good to step back and ask ourselves why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What's moving me to do this? You know, what am I building? What am I predicating this decision upon? And, you know, when we approach things as a mystic, right, looking Mm -hmm, for signs mm -hmm. and wonders to guide our steps, um, it can make us, you know. Schizophrenic a little bit, yeah. If if how much how much of
2: this in the final analysis is us becoming loyal to our own stylistic preferences? Sure, you know what I mean. So if your if your style of worship is more of the expressive, emotional, maybe sensational on a bad day, you know, or whatever. And uh, and your people respond that way, and they're subject to flood the altar in the middle of a special song. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they'll keep going, and all of a sudden you're uh, you know an hour and fifteen minutes in the service, and yet nobody's preached yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's the habit that your church is into. You got to admit, there's things about that sometimes that make you think, I think my church is dead. You know what I, yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean? I mean, I appreciate all of this response. Well, someone who thinks that way is going to be less favorable to some of the things that we've said here because you're gonna think I don't think it's mysticism on the fall of God I've seen God move and God work Okay, I, I, I agree with you up to a point I'm not trying to trash your zeal for God and your sensitivity to him in every moment on the other hand you know what we like You know, I, I could stand and listen to you know, sing three great meaningful hymns and just let somebody preach let's get down to it and have them expound the scripture. You can expound the scripture with passion, right? Mm-hmm. Just expound the scripture. And we didn't have to have an invitation. We could sing another hymn and let me think through what I just heard. You know, I'm not against invitations. I yeah, have yeah, them. Yeah. But I'm saying some of what we're talking about has a lot to do with personal, the personal makeup of the pastor, how he's wired, what the church is conditioned to appreciate in worship forms, and I think it's our responsibility to keep it in here, whatever it may be, and out of the weeds, right? Yeah. Out of the weeds of mysticism, out of the weeds of formalism and ritualism, and then within here, we can have a wonderful liberty, right? Yeah. I come here, up here in Maine, I've been challenged by so many different things. If you guys came to Alabama, you know, you might do everything we do, but you'd appreciate the, the, the fresh air, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> That's it. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, it's good, good, good uh, thought-provoking discussion. Appreciate that. I know that you've enjoyed that. I hope that you have. And it's been good to have our friend, Brother Dalton, with us. Amen. And uh, just so, always so grateful when he comes and and thankful for this discussion that we've had. It actually turned into two parts, which is good. And so uh, we'll enjoy that uh, for the next few weeks. And we're grateful for our, your faithfulness to this podcast. And uh, let your friends know if they're looking for a good podcast to listen to, then um, I believe you found the best one. So <laughs> <laughs> at least,
2: at least these last two. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> at least these last two. We're setting the bar high. Again, <laughs> so.
0: uh, well, we'll end on that good note. Thank you for joining us at Backwoods Theology.